So last week, actually three weeks ago, I haven't preached in two weeks, so I hope you guys brought a snack. Um, uh Uh-oh. But about uh, three weeks ago, we started a series talking about the perfect summer. And we began to talk about how that, that we weren't talking about being perfect. You know, so often we, we've grown up thinking that uh, when the Bible says, you know, that we're supposed to be perfect uh, and, and talking about perfection, that that means we can never mess up. But what we begin to look at was it's not really about that. It's about God making things perfect. It's about God's completion in our life. And we've talked about perfect peace and perfect love and perfect security and a perfect heart. And so this morning we're going to continue this series on the perfect summer and we're going to talk about a perfect way. God has a specific plan or way for your life. The Bible tells us that, that David was a man after God's own heart. And so as we begin to, to think about that and the plan that God has for our life, we see in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 31, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to Him for perfection. God's way is perfect. In Psalm 1611, David put it this way, You will show me the way of, the, of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And in Psalm 37.23, he says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. What this verse tells me here is just what we were talking about a minute ago. God is concerned about your life. God is concerned about you. Too many people think that that God is just up here somewhere and that He is viewing our lives from the cheap seats. You ever been to a ball game and sat in the cheap seats? It's not a fun experience. Because you can't really you can't really tell what's going on down on the field. You're more concerned about, because if it's a baseball game, the cheap seats, that's where people go uh, so they can spend less money on their ticket and spend more money on beer. And so you begin, you, you watch less of the game and you watch these people who are just acting stupid. But it's not a fun experience because you can't really get involved in what's going on. And too many times we look at, look at God and think he's just up in heaven somewhere and he's watching from the cheap seats. But I want you to know that God is concerned and he is aware of what is going on in your life and he cares. Psalm chapter 32 verse 8 says this, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. How many people are glad for that promise? You see, there's many scriptures that talk about the journey. There's many scriptures that talk about the way. There's many scriptures that talk about the path. There's many scriptures that talk about our destiny. And what we must realize is is that it looks different for each of us. No one's journey, no one's path, no one's way is exactly the same. It looks different. But you see, God desires to live and for us to live in the way that he has planned for us. And the scriptures that we've been reading and have all, were all written or written about David. 
And so this morning, I'm going to, to talk about the life of David. Now, if you've been in church and, and maybe uh, you're old enough to remember flannel graphs, or uh, you, you've probably seen or heard some of these stories. But we'll begin with the life of David. And it shows us how that, that David walked in God's way. You see, the Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart. What exactly does that mean? What did that mean? I believe that, that it meant that, that David went after God's heart. He wanted to have the heart of God. Did David always do the right things? We're going to find out. Absolutely not. But yet it said David was a man after God's own heart. So as David, we, we see his life. He was a young shepherd boy. And his brothers were at war. And his dad said, here, take this food to your brothers. And so he gets the food and, and he takes it to them. And he finds Goliath out mocking Israel. And he finds that everyone is afraid to go up against Goliath. Everyone is afraid to face this Philistine. And he begins to tell his brothers, I'll fight them. And of course they thought, shut up little brother. Give us our food and get back to the sheep. But he said, I'll fight this battle. And he had enough courage to go talk to Saul and say, I, I want to fight this battle. And then the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 37... The Lord, who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear, will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. So here he is saying, they're saying, David, you can't do this. You are committing suicide. This giant will eat you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. David said, the same Lord who rescued or the same Lord who protected me from the claws of the lion and from the bear will protect me from this Philistine. So the first thing that we see when we're walking in his way, when we're seeking after his heart, is that he will protect us. David said, I, I had to face the lion, I had to face the bear, and it seemed like it was just one thing after another. You ever had one of those days? Just one thing after another. You ever had one of those weekends, one of those weeks, one of those months, one of those years? What, what do we tend to do? We complain. God, do you see me down here? What's going on? God, why am I going through this? I begin thinking back about, about times like that in my life. And there are many times that, that, that I could tell you about, but the one that still rings true, that comes to my memory the most, and you, you may have heard this story before, but it's good enough to, to hear it again. The story of, of just a bad couple of days for me. If you know me, I'm an avid baseball fan. And opening day in Cincinnati is, is one of the, the greatest times uh, that I have ever uh, attended. So I had never been, so I decided in college that I was going to skip class. That was my first mistake. I was paying good money for those classes. Still paying for those classes. And if I'm pastoring in 30 years, I'll still be playing, paying for those classes. 
I didn't mean that, God. I know you care. If somebody wants to write a check, I've got the bill. So we decided, a few of us, we were going to skip class and we were going to drive to Cincinnati for opening day. I'm not even sure I told my parents. That's my second mistake. So we get up there, it's pouring the rain. We're somewhere in Kentucky. Now this was before I knew, uh, I knew nothing about Kentucky at that point. And it was before the game, and, and so we were coming up that night. It was dark, raining, had a flat tire. I heard something. Now, whether you believe this or not, I'm not the handiest person in the world. So I'm thinking, what are we going to do? The first thing was I didn't want to stand out in the rain. So we get off, go to a uh, gas station, pull under the cover to start changing the tire, and here comes some little guy yelling. You can't do that here. Gas pumps. I'm thinking, you've got 16 gas pumps, and there's two people here. He made us move. Getting drenched. Changing the tire. Not me. Thank God he sent somebody with me. If it had just been me, I'd have probably still been sitting there. Living on gas station food. We get it fixed. We drive on. We stay. Get up the next morning. Ready to go to the game. Ready to go to the parade. Look out. It's snowing. I kid you not. It is snowing. It's baseball season. I'm thinking, what is going on here? So, and if you've ever been, I thought, well, we're going. I mean, we drove six hours from Cleveland, Tennessee. We are going. We've got our tickets. We are going. Get there. Didn't realize how big of a deal it really was. Had to park like 17 miles from the stadium. Walking in the snow. I'm going to that game. We get there. We're in the cheap seats. I begin looking around. Nobody's had enough time to get drunk yet, so. The game, the snow stops, the rain. I'm thinking, all right, things are turning around. One, no, seven pitches into the game. Kid you not. Home plate umpire collapses. Right there on the field, collapses. I'm sitting there thinking, what else could go wrong? We wait. Still cold. 30, 45 minutes. I mean, they're out there. and Hear announcement over the thing. The game has been canceled. It's rescheduled for tomorrow. I had a test the next day. So I've went through all this. And now I have watched the umpire. He literally died on the field of a heart attack. I went through all of this. Get in the car. Drive six hours back home. To go take my test. And I'm thinking God. What else could happen? You ever had one of those days? Maybe we can swap stories sometime. But when things like that happen in our life. One thing after another. We begin to ask God. What are you doing to me? But here, if we're going to have the heart like David had, the heart that was, God said was after him, 
then we have to develop the attitude that says, God's going to protect me. God has got me. David said, he got me through the lion, he got me through the bear, and he's going to get me through this giant. So when things start going wrong in your life, don't throw up your hands in the air and question what's going on, but proclaim and know that if you're seeking after God and you're walking in his way, he will protect you. Why did David have so much courage? Maybe it was because the chapter before that he had been chosen. He had been anointed king. He had been chosen from all of his brothers and all of the other people. And he was confident in the word of God. And can I tell you that you have been chosen. God has made promises to you in this word. And you have been chosen. And you should know and have confidence that nothing that comes against you will conquer you. He will protect you. You should know that God has your back. But instead our mind starts going crazy. And our mind starts telling us we're not going to make it. And our mind starts telling us that God doesn't love us. And we begin to worry. But can I tell you that God's word is greater than our worry. God's word, the promises that he has made in this book is greater than our worry. His word will hold us. His word will keep us. You can have victory by knowing the word of God. You can have victory over your worries and over the anxiety of your life by knowing the Word of God. The problem is, is we all say we want to spend eternity with God. But no one wants to take the time to get to know Him now. Did you know that you can know God now? Through His Word, you can read it, you can hide it in your heart, and you can have victory over knowing A little later on, David becomes king over Israel. And he's out fighting a battle. He's away from his kingdom and he's living in caves. He's thirsty and he's tired. And we read in 2 Samuel chapter 23 verse 15, David remarks uh, longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love to have some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. And verse 16 says, So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. So here David is in a cave, and he said, Man, I am thirsty. I would love to have some of that good water. And he had three guys who were so dedicated. God had put men around him that were so dedicated and wanted to please David and, and to be his right-hand man and, and, and be that person for him. It says they broke through the Philistine army just to go get David some water. David was walking in his way. David was after God's heart. He wasn't perfect. He made mistakes, but he was after God's heart. And in that moment, God provided for him. So when we're walking in His way, we should know and realize that He will not only protect us, but He will provide for us. God's provision is greater than our position. If you think about it logically, there is no way that anyone would risk their life just to go get you a cup of water. But God was going to provide God was going to provide for David. And you look at things in your life and you think there's no way this is going to happen. 
There's no way that that, that rain is going to go around Ashland. There's no way that, that this bill is going to be met. There's no way that, that there's going to be enough money at the end of the month. There's no way that that relationship's going to work out. But I can tell you that God's provision is greater than our position. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're up against. If you're walking in His way, He will provide. You go through situations and you say, I don't know how it's going to work out. You ever had a situation like that? God, I don't know how this is going to work out. It looks like it's impossible. Nothing's impossible for God. He will provide. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't even know why. But I know He will provide. The Bible promises that, that, that we've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. God used three men to provide for His need. And... Here's what we have to come to the realization. We need to begin to live with our hands open. What do you mean? Live with our hands open. In other words, be ready to receive from God. But here's what you don't do. Too many times when we receive from God, we close our hands and we hold it close to our heart. God provides a miracle for us financially. We take and run and put it in the bank or, or, or we hold it close to our heart. We have to come to the, to the point in our lives that we live continually with our hands open. What are you talking about? I'm saying God will provide for you so that maybe you can help be provision for somebody else. That's living with your hands open. As a church, that, that's what we are dedicated to doing. God blesses us, we're not going to take it, close up our hands, and hold it close to our heart. We're not going to say, thank you, God, take it. And, and the, the, the best example I can think of is, is that we all know that, that God has blessed us with a building. It was a blessing and is a blessing from God. Now, it would be easy for us to take that, to hold it close to us, close our hands and say, well, we can't really do ministry now because we've got a building to worry about. But from the very beginning, I've said, this building will not keep us from living with our hands out. This building will not keep us and have us continually having to ask and beg for money just to take care of a building. If we ever get to a point that we can't be the church that God has called us to be and live with our hands open, then we've missed it. We've missed it. God wants to provide for us, and when He provides for you, and when He provides for your family, take that and be a blessing and provide for someone else. So now David, is he's still the king of Israel. Now we get into a little bit of his messing up. He falls into sin with Bathsheba. If you know the story, he was supposed to be out fighting and and, uh, he goes out and sees Bathsheba, decides that she's pretty, sends her husband out to be on the front line, 
so that he could have her for himself. Her husband dies right there in battle. Man, David's a man after God's own heart. What's going on here? He wasn't perfect. God didn't call us to be perfect. What happens? Does God just throw up his hands and say, I cannot believe what you have done? The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel that what God did was, was he sent Nathan to David. He sent Nathan to David. God didn't just throw up his hands and say, I'm done, I'm finished. What in the world are you thinking? You've done got off of my way and you've went way the opposite direction. But no, God went after him. So the third thing that God will do when you're walking in his way, when you're seeking after your heart, even when you mess up, is that he will pursue you. He pursues us. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 says, Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. Now, he had some consequences. But God pursued him. God went after him. He said, David, I know you've messed up, but I've forgiven you. Once David admitted and confessed that he had sinned. God's passion for us is greater than our past. God's passion for us is greater than our past. It does not matter what you have done from this moment back. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. I mean, we've all made mistakes. And if you've made a mistake that equals what David did here, don't tell me because I'll have to turn you in. But seriously, we've all made mistakes, but God still loves us. He still pursues us. He still comes after us. And God desires to redeem us. He desires to have redemption in our life. No matter where we go, He's running toward us. You've heard the story so many times about the, the prodigal son. The son that decides, you know, I'm tired of living here with dad. I want to take my money. I want to do my own thing. I'm grown. He gets out, blows all his inheritance. He's living with the pigs. And there he is. He thinks, what am I going to do now? And he said, maybe I can go back to my father and maybe I could just be one of his servants. And so he starts heading back. And it said, the father ran out to meet him. The father saw him coming. He ran to the boy. The father didn't, didn't think, well, he wasted all my money. He's messed up his life. I'm done with him. No, he pursued him. He went after him when he saw him. By him coming toward, he was basically confessing, Dad, I've messed up. And he didn't wait for him to get to him. He went after him. And if we're going to have the heart of God, we want to, to live in His way, in the perfect way, we need to realize that He will protect us, He will provide for us, He will pursue us. Lastly, Second Samuel, Samuel chapter 7, verse 16 says, Your house and your kingdom will continue before me all the time, and your throne will be secure forever. David was near the end of his life. And he begins... 
reflecting and thinking about. And, and this is what it said. It says, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all the time and your throne will be secure forever. This was a promise that he made to David. And so the last thing that I, that I want to talk about this morning is, is that when we're living in his way, when we're after his heart, his perfect way, he will bring promise to us. It may not be in our time. It may not be when we think it should be. But He desires to bring promises in our life. You see, the chapter right before this, they're at war. And David decides he's going to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And so he took it. And as he was going, he got to the threshing floor. And it said that the oxen stumbled... And the ark began to fall. So one of the people that were leading the procession reached out to try to steady it. He touched the ark. God was angry. Struck him dead right there. David was upset. David said, if that's the kind of thing, I don't want that thing near me. Let's take it somewhere else. How could I, how could, if, if that happened, I don't, I don't want to live like that. So they took it to, to, to another house, to Obed-Edom. And it said it stayed there for three months. And in those three months, God blessed that household. So when David saw that, he thought, oh, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I, I need that blessing. I need some of that. So they went and they got it and they decided to bring it back to Jerusalem. And it says that David was so excited that the promise was coming back to Jerusalem. The promise was coming to the city of David. That in 2 Samuel chapter 6 it said that he danced. And his wife looked out and she saw him. She thought he was acting foolish. Women, how many times do you think your husband's acting foolish? Yeah. So it says when David finally gets back to his household, his wife looks at him and says, you look like an idiot out there. You look like a fool. And here's David who had it all. Here's David, a man after his own heart. Here's David who God had chosen to be king over all of Israel. But he wasn't afraid to admit who was responsible. He didn't forget who was responsible. And he began to praise. The promise was coming to Jerusalem. The promise of God's presence. Can I tell you that praise will unlock His promises? Praise will unlock his promises. If you can get to the, 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 the point in your life that you can praise God no matter where you are, no matter what the circumstance is, it will unlock His promises. He will bring promise to you. You say, what is His promise? Just go through the Word. There are so many. Just do a Google search on the promises of God. He promises us so many things. And when we can get to the situation that we say, God, you're God. And I'm only here because of you. 
And you begin to praise. And when you think about that, praising God wherever you are, you think about another story found in the New Testament about Paul and Silas. They had been thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, put in prison for declaring the word of God. They didn't complain. What did they do? They stopped and they praised God. They stopped where they were and said, God, it doesn't matter what the circumstance looks like. It looks bad. We're in stocks. We're in chains. We are behind these bars. These people want to kill us. We're going to praise. And when they began to praise, they said that the ground shook. The walls crumbled. And they began to celebrate. Now, this may look foolish to the world. When they begin to sing and praise, I bet the other prisoners thought, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? You're in jail. You're chained up. And it may look foolish to the world, but I'm telling you that when you begin to praise God where you are, praise Him. I mean, I can't imagine Paul and Silas getting on Facebook or tweeting about the bad day they were having. Let that sink in a minute. While it's sinking in, I'm going to fix this thing. It's about to drive me crazy. That's what we're tempted to do. Focus on the negative. But the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, whatsoever things are true, pure, lovely. Think on these things. Praise God where you are. We need to become a people in a church that posts less and praises more. We need to become a a, a church that will allow people to know that God is reigning in your life. In the good and in the bad. On the mountaintop and in the valley. Praise Him where you are. It will unlock His promises. Push away negative feedback. Being negative has never changed anyone for the better. Give it to God. Praise God. Let Him take care of the rest of it. You see, David was a man after God's own heart. God had a plan and a way that was perfect for him. David sought after God. Did he mess up? Yes. Do we mess up? Yes. But if we want His perfect way, we will seek Him. We will... Be a man that wants to go after God's heart. And even though he messed up through the course of his life, God still protected him, he provided for him, he pursued him, and he brought his promise to him. You say, well, what do I need to do? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Bible tells us to... Trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. What do you need to do? How many people would say and admit that David trusted God? He trusted Him. 
throughout his life, he trusted him. He had a chance in the cave to kill Saul when he was trying to kill him. David said, no, I'm trusting God. That's not the way it needs to happen. David trusted God. And there's many of you here today that that you have a hard time trusting. You have a hard time maybe even trusting people around you. And you definitely have a hard time trusting a God that you can't physically see. But if you want His perfect way, you have to trust Him. You have to trust Him. Too many times, we allow our mind... And the enemy will play tricks on our mind and and say, can you really trust God? What about this and what about that? And and what about this belief and that belief? And and can you really trust God? Can you really trust this thing from Genesis to Revelation? It's a trick of the enemy. Why? Because he understands that when you trust in God with everything that's in you, When you give it to Him, it holds the enemy off. Because now you're not guiding your life. Because let me tell you, if we start guiding our life and directing our own paths, you end up in a bad way. But when we trust in Him, it says, He will direct our paths. That's why it's so hard to trust. Because the enemy doesn't want you to. He wants you to lose your way. He doesn't want you to live in the perfect way. With every head bowed and every eye closed... say this almost every time that I speak but but I believe it you're not here by an accident you didn't just wander in here this morning you didn't just come in to get out of the rain no matter what reason or what purpose in your mind that you think you're here God has a different reason You're here because you needed to be here. You're here because He wants to assure you that He has a plan for your life. And that if you will seek after Him and His way, if you will seek after His heart just like David did, He will protect you. He will provide for you. When you mess up, He will pursue you. And he will fulfill his promises to you. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor J.W., I have a hard time trusting. I have a hard time trying to figure out and believe that it's all going to work out. And I'm guilty of leaning to my own understanding. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. 
God, I don't know how this is going to work out. It looks like it's impossible. I've gotten so far off path. I've gotten so out of the way. God's calling you to put your trust back in me. Put your trust back in me. Let me fight your battles. Let me guide your steps. Anyone else? I need to trust him. Thank you. Pastor, you don't understand. I've had so many things bad happen in my life. How can I trust a God that has allowed things like that to happen? God loves you. Everything happens for a reason and for a purpose. We have to keep trusting. We have to keep trusting. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God wants to restore some trust this morning. You can trust Him with everything. You can trust Him. People may fail you. You may have been hurt by people. God will never fail you. He will never let you down. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. When the times gets hard, He's still there. Trust Him. Give it to Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own ways of thinking. Acknowledge Him. He will direct your paths. I'm going to ask you to stand. We believe here in the power of prayer. We believe in that where two or three will agree upon anything, touching anything, that God can move in our midst. If you're here this morning and if you raised your hand or even if you didn't, but you admit that I've had a hard time trusting God. I've been trying to work it all out myself. I've been sitting and laying in bed at night, staring at the ceiling, thinking, God, what's next? If that's you, I'm going to ask you to take the first step. The first step learning to trust Him and giving it to Him. I'm going to ask you to, to come down front and we're just going to, to pray because we believe that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Don't hesitate. Trust Him. Trust Him. You can trust Him. Anyone else? And as we begin to pray, you can feel welcome to come join us. You can feel welcome to come join us. I'm going to ask some of those on the prayer team to come down and we're going to pray. If you feel led to come pray, 
because we are family here. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. This is what church family is about. This is why church is so important. Because when you're hurting... know that you're surrounded by a group of people who love you and who care about you. So right now, we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you that if you can join us right where you are, and if if you haven't made your way down yet and you need prayer, come on. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. We're going to learn to trust Him all over again this morning.